Hello and welcome to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. We're pleased to have you join us for the program. God is going to open up the new covenant to all the peoples of the earth. And guess what? We're a part of it. We're a part of that prophecy. Have you ever wondered what point there is in reading the Old Testament? Surely we should just keep our focus in the New Testament and what Jesus said. As it's written in the Bible, whatever was written in former days was for our instruction and to give us hope. The Old Testament prophet Jeremiah was part of God's plan communicating his purpose to his people. Tonight, Dr. Corbett again opens the Old Testament book of Jeremiah for Jeremiah's covenant. When we look at Jeremiah, Jeremiah is the weeping prophet. And why is he weeping? Because he's been called to plead with these people to come back to God, to get their life in line with his word and to, to the most to, to the largest extent, they didn't. And that caused him to weep. He says, streams of tears flow from my eyes. Like a well that is just overflowing with tears. That's how he felt. And in this section, we, we went from chapter 29, verse 1, through to the end of uh, chapter 33 so if you've got your finger kind of in there at chapter 34 this is this is kind of where we're up to and we did we, we looked at 22 different messages in this section called jeremiah's covenant now why is it called jeremiah's covenant well we'll see in a moment that in this section he's actually introduced the idea which we now take for granted that god is going to establish a new covenant now as we look at this we're, we're going to See, that Jeremiah was, was living at a time when the people were really super religious. Religion was not the problem of Israel. And it kind of highlights that if you think God is just looking for you to be religious, you miss the point. So as we're looking at this section, we, I think, need to answer this question. How do we read the Old Testament today? Because for many people, chances are, Apart from the fact that I've been going on and on and on about Jeremiah, you probably haven't read much of the Old Testament. And I, and I do want to address that. I do want to correct that. My seven-year-old daughter, Ruby, made a commitment a few months ago that she would read the entire Bible through. And she's just chipping away at it. And she started at Genesis 1-1. And she's now up to the book of Numbers. And she, she, when she was in Leviticus... She said, oh, I don't understand any of this. So at night, I, you know, she was going to bed. We'd, we'd read it together and I would explain some of it to her. And now she's in the book of Numbers and she thought Leviticus was hard. Now she's reading the A to K yellow pages phone book of names. And this is just like, what, daddy, what is this? And so we were able to go through and talk about the book of numbers which is a really cool book if you want you if you're into earth opening up and swallowing people alive and miracles and things happening then it's really cool you'll, you'll enjoy it and so how do we read the old testament today well here's something taken from the new testament about the old testament so this is the apostle paul writing to the romans in chapter 15 verse 4 and he says this for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction hmm that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. 
So the Old Testament is designed to give us instruction to help us to endure and to give us encouragement and hope. Now that may not be your story, but let me give you some ideas on how you might best achieve that. So let's, for example, go back to chapter 29. I'll bring it up on the screen here. This is a famous verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. So this is in our section. This is Jeremiah talking about the establishment of the new covenant. And he says this famous verse, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And it's very, look, I read that in every Bible I've had, I I have highlighted that, underlined that, circled that, put my name next to it, that kind of thing, because that's an awesome verse. That's just awesome. Here's the problem with what I've done to it. It's not written to me. It's actually written to the audience Jeremiah is talking to. And here's one of the first things we need to appreciate when we're reading anything in the Old Testament. It's not written to you. It's written to somebody, but it's not written to you. Now, if you get that, here's how it works. Because you might be reading a passage where, for example, the prophet Isaiah is talking to King Hezekiah. You will not die, but you will live. God will heal you. And you may be in a really bad way physically, and you read that and go, Thank you, Jesus. That's your promise to me. And you tell people, God has told me in his word. He's given me a promise. He's going to heal me. And uh, it's all going to be well. And within a week, you're dead. And I don't know if you see a problem here with how now others who may not have been Christians now regard the Bible. But here's the problem. That wasn't written to you. That was written to Hezekiah. And this is something where you can look at it and and, and ask God the question, God, could you do that for me? Then see what happens. And then what I would encourage you to do is, if that's your desire, God, pray this prayer, God, could you please do this for me? (laughs) You've done it before, can you do it again? But to emphatically state God will do it because he's promised it in his word is to misunderstand what a promise is. When we're reading some of these Old Testament passages like this one, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for your welfare depending on your translation prosperity um, and not for evil to give you a future and a hope i would encourage you to do exactly the same thing again do the same thing again and that is this god you've done this before can you do this again in me can you do it again in me make that the way you process this okay we, we read in the next verse, and it's a, great, it's a great verse again. And again, I think there's a principle here. Then you'll call upon me and come and pray and I'll hear you. Now, you might read that. This is in this section of Jeremiah as well and go, wonderful. I'm going to call upon the Lord and he's going to hear me and he's going to answer me. Now, again, it's the same deal. But here's a verse like this. You know what? You can actually find other verses in the Bible that say that, and they are for you. For example, I'm thinking Matthew 28. Jesus Jesus said, 
in the Great Commission, I'm with you always. I'll always be with you. Jesus said, you call upon me in my name and, and I'll be there. You knock and I'll answer. You, you, you seek and you'll fight. So there are verses that reinforce that. So when you read these verses in the Old Testament, ask yourself the question, does the New Testament reinforce this? Now, this is one of those things where you could, re- you could be reading as Ruby will get to. She'll get to the Deuteronomy sections where it says, you know, go into Canaan and kill all the men, women and children. And, and you might be of the blood-curdling kind looking for any justification to be a slayer of mankind and read a verse like that and go, cool, this is God's promise to me that I'm to be <laughs> someone who slays men, women and children. And can I suggest to you, you're, you're not reading the Old Testament well at all. Not at all. In fact, what, what you're going to discover is that, that in every instance where that was mentioned, even to Israel... There was a time and a place and a reason that was never repeated. So this is some of the ways that we read the Old Testament. And the next verse in this Jeremiah 29 section, you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And again, I'm going to suggest to you, you will find New Testament verses that actually say that. So, so there are some of the, the ways, the, some of the care we take when we're dealing with with reading the Old Testament, just generally. In this section, Jeremiah has made some really strong claims about Israel. The nation of Israel moved into the Promised Land, established under the King, king Saul. He failed to fulfill God's plan. God replaced him and installed King David, and King David oversaw the territory of the 12 tribes. After David came Solomon. After Solomon died, and he didn't end well, his son Rehoboam became king. And Rehoboam was, the Bible says, very young. And when it says that, it's saying not only was he young, he was foolish. And when Rehoboam became king of all of Israel, the people of Israel came to him and said, your father laid on us a very, very heavy tax burden. Could you please relieve that burden? And, and you know the story? He came back and said, no, I'm going to increase the burden. And so of the 12 tribes of Israel, two of them were down south, that's Judah and Benjamin. Of the other tribes up here, the 10 tribes, they said, then forget it. We, we, are, we, we declare civil war, we are not a part of you. And so to the north, they became known as Israel or Ephraim, the biggest tribe. And to the south, they became known as either Israel or Judah, the biggest tribe there. And so eventually, the ten tribes to the north were taken away to Assyria, which is kind of the territory of Persia. And they were dispersed. They never returned. A hundred years later, we've got Jeremiah speaking to the kings of Judah. He spoke to about, or he lived during the reign of four kings of Judah. And he says this God is putting Judah away as his people, and he will have a new people. So here's the question. God's going to what? 
Hey? Well, we thought, and this is why you could see, when Jeremiah says, uh-uh, Babylon's coming in. They'll take you captive. Who was ordaining this, that Babylon would come in? God. You see what I was saying before about failure? Because you, you see, Hananiah and all those other guys, including the king, go, no, 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 no. God has called us as a nation, Israel, to be Israel as a nation forever. We will never fail because this is what God... God would not let us fail. And Jeremiah says, yes, he will, because you've walked away from him. He's going to send you into Babylon. In this section... We go on in these verses of Jeremiah. For I know the plans I have for you, plans for a future and a hope. Call upon me and I'll answer Seek if you seek for me with all your heart. And if you read on, it says something like this. You'll always be a nation before me. This is God saying, you'll always be a nation before me, even though I'm going to send you into a foreign country. Even though I send you into a foreign country, you'll still be a nation before me because from out of you... I'm going to bring the Messiah. And I'm going to, and Jeremiah says it in chapter 29, you'll only be in Babylon for 70 years. Then I'm going to bring some of you back and I'm going to plant you back in the land, reestablish you as a somewhat of a nation so that Messiah can come and I can establish the new covenant. So this is what God says later on in chapter 33. Still a part of this section. As the host of heaven cannot be numbered and the sands of the sea cannot be measured, so I will multiply the offspring of David, my servant, and the Levitical priests who minister to me. And in the context of God saying, I'm going to establish a new covenant, in the context of the Jewish writer, Peter the Apostle, saying to Gentiles in 1 Peter, you... Gentiles are now a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. These these are the terms, the exact same terms God used in Exodus 19 to speak about Israel. And Peter says it of of non-Jewish, that is Gentile Christians. So when God says... Those who are a part of my people will be numbered like the sands of the sea, which cannot be measured. God is saying this new covenant is not going to be restricted just to one ethnic group. God is going to open up the new covenant to all the peoples of the earth. And guess what? We're a part of it. We're a part of that prophecy. And this is a part of Jeremiah's message that the new covenant is not just based on ethnicity. It's not about race. It's about grace. And this is the deal that Jeremiah introduces, this radical concept that the new covenant was going to be about grace. Now, what does this mean? Grace is God doing it all. God does it. It's not like you can meet God halfway in this. And in this section, you can see Jeremiah is, is saying, no, 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 you can work all you want. You can try and be religious all you want, but it's not cutting the mustard. It's not what's going to get you right with God. You need to be forgiven by God. God is going to establish a new covenant. And this is the new covenant of grace. And if we had the time, and we don't right now, 
But I hope over the next few years we continue to unpack this because I think this is one of the most outstanding, outstanding benefits of being a Christian. You experience the grace of God. And quite literally what that means is at the end of the day, if you think you're not right with God and you know that you've asked him for forgiveness, you are trusting in Christ as the one who's done all the work for your salvation. If you have received that, that touch of God on your life, then you can rest. You don't have to wonder, am I good enough? Have I done enough? Did I do enough? Have I prayed enough? Have I given enough? Have I repented enough? Have I done? Have I done? Have I done? Instead, you acknowledge, I could never do enough. Thank you, God, that despite who I am and despite what I've done and despite what I haven't done, you sent your son to die in my place. Jesus has died in your place. And I've got to tell you that that should cause you to literally sleep better at night. And it should cause you to wake up the next morning grateful. God has got you on this planet. And I'm going to suggest the only reason anyone has breath in their lungs is so that they either come to have hope in Christ or they live out their hope in Christ. The only reason the people you interact with are alive on this planet is that they can come to know hope in Christ. Now, salvation by grace. The New Testament puts it this way. Romans 5.15 For the free gift is not like the trespass, the sin. For if many died through one man's trespass, that's the sin of Adam, we all are stained by that, and many have died because of that, spiritually died, much more... Have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for, note the next word, not all, many. And why is it many? Because God's offer is not imposed. God's offer is made available. And there is still something in the human heart that is so arrogant and so proud Sometimes it says, I don't need salvation. I'll be right, Jack. Sometimes it says, I'm such a dirty, rotten sinner. God couldn't save me. I think that's arrogant as well. Sometimes there are people who just love their sin so much, they won't let it go. And they'd rather go to a lost eternity than be delivered and forgiven. So the grace of God. And maybe you're here today and you're battling with guilt and shame. Perhaps you're here today and you know that you need a saviour. You need a brand new start in life. What Jeremiah said in these four chapters, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, is that God's grace would be made available and that he would forgive you. And he has. What Jeremiah was looking forward to we now look back to. And so that's what this section was about. Jeremiah has given Judah, Israel, a glimpse of its destiny, that they were to be a part of ushering and hosting the Messiah. Why is Jeremiah so important 
And why is Jeremiah prophetically relevant? You've heard me, if you've heard any of these Jeremiah sections, point this verse out to you. But when Jesus Christ asked this question, who do men say that I am? Of the answers that were immediately shouted back to him, one of those that came thick and fast, Jeremiah. Who do men say that I am? The answer Jesus got from his disciples was, the people out there think you're Jeremiah. This is how they said it. Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. There is something particularly Christ-like about Jeremiah. We could go through, I counted about 12 different parallels between Jeremiah and Jesus. The, the, the similarities is uncanny. Here we have Jeremiah on a mission to preach, to turn people away from sin, and he largely failed. We could look at the life of Christ, a message of calling people to himself, and he was mostly rejected. This is why I say, sometimes it is a part of God's ordained plan for you to try something and fail, and for it to be the perfect will of God. <laughs> Boy, we're going to sell a lot of these CDs, aren't we? <laughs> but it should cause you to go, maybe when I failed back then, and I keep 10, 15, 20 years later beating myself up for that, maybe God not only allowed it, he wove it into his foreordained plan to make me into the person I am today. That's why I say you could be here and a young person going, oh, I don't believe any of that. I went to a trendy church, Pastor Andrew, and they don't preach that. <laughs> they preach God wants me to succeed and to be fruitful and faithful. Yay! <laughs> okay, just like I said, just time delay your email. Yahoo will let you delay up to five years, so just type it out and put it in schedule, then send it. Just get about five years under your belt and see how life goes as you walk with God. And so, Jeremiah, Jesus, very similar. If we want to know something about Jesus, there's something to be learned about Jesus in the prophet Jeremiah. So, why is Jeremiah so prophetically relevant? <laughs> I cannot begin to tell you the number of times when through, this, through the weeks of preaching this, and this is part 96 of the Jeremiah series today. And we've got 200 parts in this series and it's mapped out till uh, September 25, 2015 is when I preached part 200. I can't, tell, I can't begin to tell you the number of times we've gone to look at something that Jeremiah's raised in the section that we're about to look at this Sunday and something has happened in the state of Tasmania that has thought, hang on a minute, that's exactly what Jeremiah was dealing with. For example, when we came to that section, when Jeremiah is condemning the city for throwing their babies into the furnace to worship the god of convenience, Molech, that week the Tasmanian parliament tabled their radical abortion laws. <laughs> that was just one. I could go on and give you heaps of examples like that. And Jeremiah is speaking to the very issues that we're facing today. You know, it haunts me, the comment of the now Premier, she wasn't Premier then, that 12 years ago, 
she said in the parliament, and they were debating Good Friday, Easter trading hours, and her comment was this. We don't need any special holidays in this state for that. The Christian church is no longer relevant in Tasmania. And I read Jeremiah of their religious leaders, their political leaders who no longer reference God. And I go, man, this book is speaking today. (laughs) This thing is alive today. That's why Jeremiah is so important and so relevant. And you'll be amazed as we continue to look at this this unfolding of of the book of Jeremiah over the next few weeks as we lead up to Easter I just make the prediction you just watch something will happen through the week and it will just tie in with what we're looking at in Jeremiah I just put it out there you can you don't even have to wait five years you can just wait five weeks for that one see how we've gone with that so what are we going to be doing well over the next few weeks we're going to be looking at Jeremiah's cry we're going to be looking at Jeremiah chapter 34 to 39, where he's going to be pleading with people. And we, we got a glimpse of it in that scene there where he spoke to the king, King Zedekiah, and he said, you will be taken. What we didn't see in the clip, you'll be taken, they'll blind you, but the last thing you'll see are all of your sons being executed. Then they'll blind you and you will be prisoner for the rest of your life. You look at that, and I've got to tell you, as a pastor, I look at this, and I look at what Scripture says, and I think, boy, so much of what the New Testament has to say is not a popular message. And I tell you, as a church, we could overlook all that. (laughs) We could say, we're not going to talk about sin. We're not going to talk about the atonement. We're not going to talk about God's, as we sang this morning, God's wrath was satisfied We're not even going to talk about God being a wrathful God who hates sin. We're just going to talk about how God loves and he just wants us all to be happy and everything he do, everything we do, he'll make sure that we succeed. Now let's take up the offering. We could do that. But you know what if we did? We are not being true to scripture. And if you're here going, well, I don't really want to go through Jeremiah, then can I just encourage you to grow up? (laughs) Do you feel the love? Do Do you feel loved? Because really... This is a part of your growth as a Christian to appreciate all of Scripture, not just bits of it. And I hope that as you read your Bible, wherever your, whatever your reading plan is, that you will appreciate how to read the Old Testament better, why it's there, and as a result of that, you can be encouraged and filled, as it says in Romans 15 verse 4, with hope. The Old Testament was written for our instruction and to give us hope. It tells us of the new covenant of grace. Dr. Corbett returns to Jeremiah next week. Podcasts and Finding Truth Matters resources, including tonight's program, Jeremiah's Covenant, are available via the website findingtruthmatters.org or by contacting us at Lagana Media, P.O. Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania 7277. For regular updates and special offers, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com slash findingtruthmatters. 
Dr Corbett is the pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.